was like, what? There was a lynching in Fort Worth a hundred years ago? Like, I mean, I'm not surprised that that's the case, but for me, you know, and even you think about yourself, Moran, like TCU journalist students, and I was passionate about social justice, and I wrote quite a lot, number of stories for the skiff and for 360 and even tc news now the broadcast side and i was like how did i write about social justice but not know about a lynching brandon kitchen and i sat next to each other in tcu student newsroom for a while he covered topics like martin luther king's visit to fort worth and nelson mandela's friendship with his bodyguard for tcu 360 showing his passion for social justice early on Thinking he left his writing career behind him, Kitchen went on to pursue a master's in higher education and student affairs at UNT. It wasn't until our journalism professor sent him a message about writing a story for TCU Magazine that journalism came back on his mind. It was meant to be a simple write-up about assistant professor of dance, Adam McKinney's research on the only recorded race-driven lynching in Fort Worth. The story unfolded into something much bigger as Kitchen kept working on it. He and the magazine's editorial team uncovered police records and family trees to tell a story about family, loss, and the legacy of Fred Rouse. Today, Brandon tells me about his experience writing the story as a black man from Arlington and how the cover stories reintroduced writing into his life. I'm Mariana Rivas, and this is the TCU Magazine Podcast. And so I was told that it was originally going to be like specifically just a research piece about Adam McKinney's work. And then it kind of molded into reviving this deeper untold story of Fred Rouse. So how did that transition come along? Right. Yeah. You know, it was initially supposed to be something way smaller, just, you know, that, you know, the research piece, you know, um, but Adam is, is fantastic and does a lot of genealogy, um, research and, and, and Carolyn does too. And, um, um, Robert Rouse, he's, he's a, a cousin of Fred Rouse. He's in his seventies. He's living forth. Um, and he's an actor. Adam had already known Robert. Right. And they, they were trying to get, you know, dinner and, and connect. And they had invited me over to have dinner with them. And I think maybe a couple of days before we would have met, I think it was early September or late late September. Um, I get on a on a three way call with um, Adam and Carolyn, and then Carolyn says, "Hey, you know, one of my really good friends from when I was at TCU, he's pretty connected. Let's see if he and he knows anything about the Fred Rouse story." So we call up um, him, and his name is Leon Reed. He's a TCU alum. He's also one of my, my he's one of my frat brothers, my chapter brothers in Omega Sci Fi. And so um, we called Leon. So now it's 44 people on the call. And Leon's like, uh, you know, Fred Ross's grandson lives like in Mantua, right? <laughs> uh, Adam and Carolyn, I mean, you couldn't see each other. It wasn't a Zoom call. It was just a regular phone call. I mean, we were shocked. He said his grandson lives in down the sh- What? 
No, there's you you there's gonna be different Fred Rouse. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> said, no, let me let me let me go to call him right now. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're on the phone with Fred Rouse the third, who's who's the grandson, and and he was so open to sharing his perspective, and and was very candid in that he didn't know about his grandfather's story until 2020. Mm. he's a grown man with a family and didn't, you know, so at that moment we say, this is something that's much bigger than what we expected. We thought it would be just another one of those write-ups that everybody else has written, but the inside was that Adam is a professor at TCU and it's a TCU publication. And it became something so much bigger um, in that moment. We haven't looked back since. Just to kind of um, clarify. So how long was the process from hearing about the story and getting assigned to finished writing it yeah so gene would have reached out to me in like the last week of july i connected with carolyn in early august and we were have the story with endeavors out in december um but you know was it mid-september everything changed we really we were still kind of on, on course to do the endeavors but then as i did more interviews and more research and found out more about Fred um, three story. We said, no, nah, there's, there's just no way. There's no way we can do this in time and we can't give it the justice, the justice it deserves to share his story. And also, you know, things were really uh, cooking up with, you know, the DNA works, you know, Adam and, and Daniel's work um, with the formal flinching tour and, and Tarrant County Coalition for Peace and Justice, TCCPJ, like everything was, was still in motion. And we thought there was more to it. And so that was an executive decision by Carolyn said, no, let's, let's move this from Endeavors. Let's make it TCU Magazine. Everybody blessed it. Uh, whoever at, way above blessed it. And so we said, okay, now we really have a chance now that nobody else will get to do. Right. You know, as I said, how many writers have there been about the, um, you know, the Klan Hall and about, you know, the lynching, like there's there's been a ton recently, which is great. I I I'm, I love for Adam and Daniel for Fred Rouse, his name to be acknowledged. But I said we're gonna bring into for the first time for the whole world to see the family member, and you know as as a journalist, at least you know getting back into the game, I haven't written a story in two years. Um, I said, well. Can we, can we humanize him? Because you never met your grandfather. Um, I'm sure something as tragic as that does a lot of trauma and displaces people, which clearly it did, um, as you find out when you read the story. But we should consider his feelings and his family and, and how you at in your 40s process this now. You know? And... Uh, but things kept on evolving from there. It just wasn't about Fred, but then he got involved with the work to join TCCPJ and to invite his family to the fourth lynching tour and and to take trips out to, you know, equal justice initiatives, you know, um, memorials and, and museums in, in, in Alabama. And he's really just involved. And so... Wow, I don't know. It's just it's just a lot, honestly, Mariana. Um, mm -hmm. Me, me, and Carolyn say it's all divinely ordained. It's, it's, 
saying that the 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 phrase that we use because this is a perfect time. It's all aligning. We're not really doing anything special. It's all happening right as it's supposed to, and it's all honestly writing itself. So I'm just proud to have the chance to amplify a story that's already being explained with the work, but now we need to layer on the family it brings a whole other dimension to it, and it's very emotional. It's very powerful, and you talk about issues that are happening in, in today, like, you know, 1921 lynching and the KKK, like that's, that's still here today. It maybe looks different, right? You, you know, may not see nooses around. Well, thank God. Hopefully you don't, but people are still getting killed out here, racially targeted. There's hate crime. It's still exists police brutality. So it's just reframing what happened to his grandfather and hopefully using it, that story, as tragic as it is, to shine awareness on what's going on today because it's still very much present. So were there any particular challenges while you were doing the reporting? Like, was there anything hard to find or? I don't necessarily think anything was hard to find, but because we have to depend on what's recorded in history, newspaper blurbs and, you know, just other accounts of this story and even other, you know, like journal journalist reports, like, you know, newspaper articles or, or whatever have you about this incident, which was a century ago, you can only assume so much. You, you can only know so many things about it. But then, you know, I think from the counter narrative perspective, right, you know, because there's a authority who's writing the stories an authority who's like the police telling you what happened There's an authority who gets to make the 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 voice of the people and what they said that's that's subjective to me i feel like i was going to challenge that right and it's like well there's more newspaper coverage of of the first incident about the people they got shot who didn't die who were just fine then they actually about Fred Rouse. You can find that. They talk about these two brothers who, in that scuffle, got shot. They say Fred Rouse shot him. I, I'm supposed to believe that. That's kind of my personal belief as a black man. Oh, did Fred Rouse really take a gun into work? I mean, if he did, that's bold. But, I mean, valid, right? He's probably being, being attacked and, you know, harassed. But what if Fred didn't bring the gun? What if it was somebody else who just happened to shoot and missed? But then you can blame it on the black man to Victor, what do you call it, um, assassinate his character. That happens every day today, right? You know, when, when an innocent black person gets gets killed or shot or whatever by the police, they they dig up the picture of them from like four years ago off of Facebook or they, I don't know, tap into their phone, they find it's the worst picture of them. And so, oh, he's, their record from, you know, 2014 says, and I was like, but in that moment in today, 2020 on, on March 26th, none of that mattered. The police officer didn't know that. Why do we report on things that don't matter? Because it, it to, because to the, to the power, it justifies their killing. And, and to me, that's what I think was the hardest part to write in the story because we only have these records, and so if I have to report these narratives as fact, but I also challenge the validity of the narration, am I being biased as the as a journalist? You see what I'm saying? 
And that was that was just so difficult. Um, and I, I, whenever people read the story, I hope you will challenge the narrative of what happened to Fred Rouse and also challenge a narrative of what's going on today. Yeah. What do you think was the most impactful part of Fred Rouse's story or of Adam McKinney's work? You know, I'm, I'm very big on the arts. I, I appreciate the approach Adam especially is taking in, all, in a lot of his projects. And that includes Daniel, too. I mean, what they do with Dean Orks is, is fantastic. Um, you know, people don't know much about me. I, I grew up um, as a percussionist. I did, you know, music all through elementary through high school. I continued on and played on the TCU drum line all four years. And I've even done some other type of musical work. And and for my other friends in the arts, I just love the arts. It's a it's a beautiful form of expression that I think connects us as people, right? We get to watch the performance live and hear the music or just the ambiance of all the things on stage. And that that is a way to remove barriers in that moment, to create a sense of vulnerability. And that's what it, I think at least my perception is what Adam's able to do. I can't tell you what exactly Adam's goal is for each audience member. Cause I think obviously everyone has their own interpretation, but when you go around on the, uh, if you do the four flinching tour and you use the app and you hear pieces of, of music that he had commissioned for, it, or you see his, his films and his pictures using 10 type photography and, you know, video to almost, put you back into 1920s that visual rendition makes it real you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and um it really has you then ponder and fill in the blank and that, that to me that's really cool because i think most people who aren't in tune with the arts would never understand like they couldn't explain to you like the logistics behind why adam did it or you know, what an esteemed artist would be able to make out of it, but a common normal person can get something out of it and walks away with an even more powerful and transformative view and perspective because it's enhanced by the arts. So that's really, really cool approach. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And so I just want to commend Adam and Daniel and all the other people that they work with, uh, not just in Texas, but across the world, literally, um, because that commitment to challenge systems and, and narratives and produce very vulnerable conversations in a unique way like this is very hard to do, but they do it every single time. And I wanted to kind of get your, we've mentioned a little bit so far, but I wanted to kind of get more of your personal experience writing this as a black man that's lived in Fort Worth several years. And um, how did this story impact you personally? Well, writing it my god yeah um definitely emotional for for me because you know that i've physically met fred nicest man in the world um and i haven't met his family but hopefully one day i can meet his family soon and and we can actually be friends for life that that's that's the that's the goal um and you know he's very inviting and 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 this and we talk all the time probably once a week just to check in text and and so um, I consider him first, right? Because I mean, the way I was taught to write is, you know, not to put yourself inside of the, the story, just to be the best 
respectful. And so I, I, I balance a little bit of that. It's, it's honestly very hard, Mariana. But the fact that he's inviting me into his world and we've made a genuine connection and, and same thing with Adam and, 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 his, and his husband, Daniel, they're, they're now big brothers to me. And so that means a lot, but right. Um, so that's one point of, point of it. It's emotional because I, I connect to the work that they're doing and how hard it is actually to coordinate the work, but also to keep up these tough conversations about oppression and, and trauma and racism and lynchings and, and burying this facts. It, it, it's, it's very uh, hard to do on a very, on a day in and day out, you know, type of thing. Um, but then I guess if you're asking more personally, like for me, just bringing a kitchen, it's like, like I said earlier, I've, I grew up, was born and raised in Arlington. My mom went to TCU. She graduated uh, class of 1984. So I was a TCU baby going to all the football games, basketball games, homecoming, you know, all the fun stuff. Thank God I came to TCU, came to Horn Frog myself, went, did my experience, stayed local, kind of, you know, going to Denton for grad school. But you, you didn't know about any of this. That's just, it's just striking. It's, you know, it's quite sad. I, I say it like that. Cause like, you know, that could have been my grandfather, you know what I mean? Um, and it could have been, you think about this, like, like, I don't know, humanity. It's like, okay, well this man died. He was a father. He was a husband. His kids didn't get to experience him or at least his, his um, youngest son, Fred Jr. Um, so he never knew his dad because he was just born when this would have happened. And so now you you create a whole nother level of generational trauma. And it's all because he wanted to go to work. He wanted to support his family and, you know, did a really tough job. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I could work as a butcher. But, you know, hard labor, right? You're doing the right thing, but you're just going and one day you don't come back home. And that's that's tough. And that kind of relates to what you see today with, with examples of police brutality. I mean, people are just minding their own business. You know, you can't sleep while you're black. You can't eat while you're black. You can't go to school while you're black. You can't vote while you're black. I mean, the list is 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 infinity. And Fred was just trying to work while being black in Fort Worth, and it cost him his life. And so I think about that because that could that could have been my father or my grandfather or my great-grandfather. So. Yeah, wow. And so why um, why journalism at the beginning? Um, did you enjoy writing a lot? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I, I was always, at least my teacher told me I was pretty good at English, writing papers and stuff like that. And I love talking to people and just getting to know their stories. And I, I'm a big basketball fan. So I actually wanted to be a sports broadcaster. You know, the guy covering ESPN and, you know, Stuart Smith or Stuart Scott, sorry, Stephen A. Smith, people like that. I saw, you know, killing it. And I said, I want to be them. Um, but then also, too, I also love music. And so when it came to TCU, I didn't have time to, to do football and basketball games because I was on the drum line and I would play in the in the TCU, you know, basketball band. So I kind of was a little stubborn. <laughs> and so I was like, music just to, to write for sports. I don't know if that makes any sense to y'all, but that that's in my heart at the moment. I said, no, 
so I, I found it, I found covering stuff on campus, like what student organizations are doing and what, what major events, people that come to the university that are notable. I would go to Fort, outside in you know, Fort Worth and write about things that were happening in the city. And so I found a, another niche inside of journalism. And like I said, I didn't think I was gonna was ever gonna write again. I was like, was comfortable with, you know, hanging it up and going on to higher ed. And then you know, Carolyn and and then reached back to me and said, hey, we got opportunity for you to write. Um, but maybe that's why, you know, I say div- divinely ordained. Maybe that was just needed to happen. I just needed to be emailed on that random day when I was moving into my apartment and it was hot and I'm sweaty and they said, Hey, there's opportunity. It just, it comes when you least expect it. And then it became this big thing eight, nine months later on that's going to, you know, come and, and drop in, in May. It's going to be a story of a lifetime. And I made friends along the way. Um, that mm-hmm. validated me to me, maybe I should still be writing. So I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that even though I'll prefer a pursue a career in higher ed, I'll still be able to write freelance and I can write for fun. And I can also write about key issues that are happening in society and provide my perspective as an educated black male who's passionate about social justice, who loves challenging the system, who loves learning from people who he doesn't also agree with too. There's power in that. And so I, I'm just hopeful that my voice will will mean a lot to somebody a viewer of this story um, and that, you know, I don't know, just I hope to make a difference and, and create some positive social change somehow. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, how do you feel that this story or a story like this um, is going to be the cover story of TCU Magazine? How does that, how does that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, it, it meant the world, you know, I mean, once again, it's not about I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's the way that my mind works. I'm like, that's a great honor. It's beautiful that I get that privilege to say I wrote the TCU cover magazine story. Yeah. But, you know, that's really what Adam and that's Adam's credit. I mean, this is his work. If he wasn't so passionate about telling the story, this wouldn't even have been in the magazine regardless, whether it was the, it was the cover story, it was just the other story, another page. You know what I'm saying? And that this work is happening at this point in time for the centennial, literally 1921, 2021, a hundred years. This is all perfectly in line and nobody to this date has talked about Fred Rouse, the grandson. He's coming to the fore, to, to, to the fore and is like, I'm here. Let me tell you how it has been. Um, you, you just can't, you can't write that. And I mean, not write that as like a story. Like you can't predict that. You can't, just doesn't happen, but it happened. <laughs> it's, it, I think it's a miracle, um, honestly. But that said, I hope because it has that privilege of being a cover story that that lets people know TCU Magazine supports the work that TCU, you know, the brand, right, the university is supportive of this work about the social justice type of, you know, movement. And that because TCU has such a large viewership and a large network of people across the world that pick this up and they read it, it's going to go far. And not, I say far, like, I mean, like actual structural change and way we look at media and the way we look at 
police and the way we look at the uh, the I don't know the way black people are portrayed and also other communities too hopefully in the process like there there is actual things that happen every single day that are embedded in our society that make people less than and invalidate our experiences and just don't really consider how history buries certain narratives for a reason and this is a story to i think challenge it all this is my perspective so i'm hopeful that this cover story does a lot in it and it does a lot of um makes a lot of impacts yeah um i know i definitely like share your perspectives and sometimes i get really invested in a story but it's kind of hard to balance um keeping yourself out of it for sure um, but I, I want to thank you for this conversation. I mean, I learned a lot. It was very insightful and, and the story is amazing. Congratulations. Mariana, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Obviously we saw each other in the newsroom. So mm-hmm. who, who would have thought? <laughs> I know. <laughs> who so, would have thought? I, I, I think TCU, I think TCU Magazine, Adam, Daniel, keep up the great work. You know, my brothers, I'm going to be right there every step of the way, not just for mm-hmm. this project and when it all comes to fruition with all the various projects. Um, but as long as that I get to know you guys, you guys got my support. Fred, um, you're so brave. Your family, y'all are brave too, because it, it, it takes a lot to put yourself out there. But I'm hopeful that, that God has a bigger plan for this all and we can finally restore justice to your grandfather's name. So thank you for trusting me to write this. And uh, viewers, get ready. Come May, gonna be in for a treat. To learn more about the legacy of Fred Rouse and Adam McKinney's work to revitalize his story, read Brandon's cover story in our summer 2021 issue. I'd like to thank Brandon again for joining us and all of you for listening. I'm Mariana Rivas, and this is the TCU Magazine Podcast.